Oh, in the early service, I wasn't sure what was happening when those drums started going off. I had to look over there and say, oh, my goodness, I, I, maybe I should expect something when I come to church. Wow. Oh, goodness, I hope you're expecting something this morning, expecting God's love, the grace of Jesus, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I hope you're expecting something this morning, because if you come expecting something, you will definitely receive something. So may your hearts be open and uh, my mouths be worthy of this time. And as I listened to the uh, choir this morning singing, standing on the promises so beautifully with the drums and everything, I remember those moments in my life when standing on the promises was about all I could do. You know, I needed to stand on those promises because life was pretty hard and difficult, and I had to remember the promises. I had to remember the promises of presence of God. I had to remember the promise of abundant life. I had to remember the promises of reconciliation and reunion, the promise of forgiveness. I had to remember the promise of love that conquers death. There are times and moments in my life when those promises are what got me through. I had to stand on the promises. Have you ever been in that place where you just had to stand on the promises? And standing on the promises can be a very good thing particularly when it's keeping you standing at all. And sometimes in our life, that can be the challenge. When we talk about this morning confirmation, we've been talking about these sacraments in different churches, and one of them is confirmation. Confirmation is where we stand on the promises. It's where we say who we are, what we believe, And it honors the fact that confirmation is a lifelong journey, not just one moment in time. You know, confirmation is not certainty. Certainty can lead to some negative things like judgment and blame. Confirmation for me, more than certainty or more than any correct dogma or belief or anything you want to say about Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit, more than anything with that, confirmation is trust. Confirmation is trust that whatever the dogmas are that I believe or someone else believes or what I know to be true in my heart, I trust that God is going to be with me in and through it all. I trust, even when it doesn't feel like I should trust. I trust even when I have been betrayed by someone I love, maybe even the church. I trust even when I'm hungry and don't know where the next meal will come from. I trust even when it hurts so much and I have to decide whether to go off medication and just see how many days I have left. Can I, even in those moments, stand on the promises? Because the promises aren't there just for us to joyfully celebrate in good times. The promises are to carry us through many times when we need them to. But I may be like you in some ways that trust is hard to keep hold of when life gets hard and life gets difficult. You know, I don't know about you. Have you ever played peekaboo with God? Life's pretty hard. I don't see you, Jesus. You know, life's just hard at the moment. I'm not sure, God, are you there? Please answer me. And if you're like that, you're not alone, because many people are like that. When you get shaken or rattled, you kind of question and have some doubts. And, and so in those moments and times, I, just, I think of myself as playing peekaboo with Jesus. Are you there, Jesus? Let me know. 
you know, and Jesus continues to answer in each and every time. But you're not alone. In the scripture, there's plenty of stories of this. And one of my favorites is back in the book of Judges. There's this judge named Gideon. And God has uh, trying to empower Gideon to do some work. And Gideon says, but I need some proof. You ever needed proof? I need some proof. And so Gideon says, Gideon says to, to God, I have this fleece here. If I lay this fleece out on the ground in the morning, if the fleece is dewy, but the rest of the ground is dry, I'll know you were here, God. Isn't that a kind of interesting sort of challenge for God? You know, don't get fleeced, you know, whatever. But, you know, it happened just that way. So Gideon says, okay. But then Gideon says, well, you know, I'm not, it could have been an accident. Peekaboo. <laughs> Could have been an accident, so Gideon says back to God, now let's do it one more time, and now let's do the opposite. You know, let the fleece be wet and the rest of the ground dry, and then the other time the fleece be dry and the rest of the ground wet. And so it happens again the second day. He wakes up, and it's just like he asked it to be done. And so in the story of the scripture as it goes, Gideon is good with that. You know, that's as far as they go. We don't know what happened on day three, day four, day five, day six. We don't know if they kept playing the fleece game over and over again or not. You know, like some of us play with our faith of, oh, God, are you there or not? It's getting kind of tough right now. So confirmation is about trust in the promises even when we're not sure life showing them to us at this point in time. When it's hard to get a handle on them or what they are. Where it hurts so much. We're not sure. But confirmation is not that statement of dogmatic beliefs. Confirmation is says, I'm going to wrestle with this my whole life. I make a commitment to this relationship rather to, than to some words. Our author that we've been reading, Rachel, says to us, no matter where I went to church, I realized doubt would follow. Nipping at my heels. All I wanted from church when I was ready to give it up was a quiet sanctuary and some candles. All I wanted was a safe place to be. Like so many, I was in search of sanctuary. With her doubts, you know, and then blaming herself for her doubts, I wanted a place of sanctuary. I would much rather be in a church where we question everything than a question that has so many certainties that it forgets compassion question everything and she says all I wanted was a place of sanctuary with some candles a safe place to be often when we're in those moments in our life we would like to go back somewhere else before we knew life could be broken we'd like to find sanctuary where we're not troubled not troubled by another transgender person being killed over the weekend where we don't have to carry with us the angst in our world over race, where when someone like the pastor says Black Lives Matters, man, I really just wanted a candle and some sanctuary this morning. You know, we might want to escape the world for that moment. And confirmation says that right in the middle of the world, I trust. Right in the middle of all the chaos going on, I trust. I believe one of the most faithful prayers is the doubter's prayer. It says, I believe. God help my unbelief. I believe. God help my unbelief. 
We've been studying the work of Rachel these last few weeks, and I would like for you to actually hear it in her own voice. So I've got a clip from you of Rachel Evans. Does Jesus have a pull on you so much that you can't get away? Even if you don't have all the right answers or all the right formulas of what's supposed to be, is there a pull on you? A pull on you so much that you're willing to even be wrong about it because you know it's right for you. Rachel goes on to say about confirmation and this trust and God's love for us. She says it's a, is a, as invisible as your breath. It's as invisible as your breath, but as certain as your skin. Invisible as your breath, but as certain as your skin. So she says, pay attention. Don't forget who you are. In the midst of this story of trusting God, don't forget who you are, God's beloved. Don't forget who you are in the midst of these promises and hardships of the world. You are God's beloved. That's sometimes hard to believe. And I love, uh, I want to share with you this little thing that Walter and I do weekly because you might be appalled, but I'll share with you anyway. <laughs> Part of what we've been doing for a few years now is once a week we gather around the television without Michael because it's not age appropriate, and we watch The Walking Dead. Have you ever seen that show? The Walking Dead. We've been watching it for all these years. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> but we love it. And so we're watching, we're watching the show and what I like about it is I think it asks a fundamental question that it keeps unpacking over all of these years. The fundamental question is when do you stop being human? Over and over and over again, when do you stop being human? And there's these living dead things called zombies. They're not human. But the question isn't for them. The question is all the breathers out there all the ones who still have life in their breath, when do you stop being human, either because of choices you have to make, things that you don't do, compassion that gets lost, violence that occurs? When, when do you stop being human? I think it's an important question for all of us, and I think as a people of faith, we can even frame it in a different way. We can say, when do you stop being Christian? When do you stop being Christian? Because there's a lot going on in our world today that I don't think passes the muster. You know, when do you stop being Christian? When I stop caring about my neighbor, when I stop reaching the marginalized or the outcast, when I have no generosity left within me of time or resources, when I can't be bothered by when do I stop? When do I stop being Christian? 
And maybe can I then stand on the promises to find my way back? If so, when are we no longer those people of faith that remember what trust is because we've been so hurt or jaded or cynical? How do we find our way back? Sometimes you just have to rehearse the story, the times, the moments, both of despair and of hope when you prayed. I believe. God help my unbelief. I believe. I'm standing on that promise. God help my unbelief. Our founder, Troy Perry, had one of those moments in his life. Reverend Troy Perry, who started our denomination in 1968, he thought the world was right. They were telling him he shouldn't live. They were telling him he didn't count, shouldn't have breath in him, that he wasn't even human. And he took that to heart, and he decided that he would do what they all wanted him to do and tried to kill himself. It didn't work. You know, he did what he thought he was supposed to do. He was following what everyone was telling him he ought to do, that he wasn't human, so he should be dead. And so in the midst of all of that, he ended up waking up the next morning. His eyes pop open, and he said, well, God must not be through with me yet. Even in that place of giving up, so that such a moment in time, he turned around, and we would not be in this sanctuary today if he hadn't woken up that day. And he hadn't said, okay, God, I'm going to start standing on some promises. Whatever my unbelief is, God, help me with my unbelief so that I may believe what you have next for me. And we're here today because of that. We even have this afternoon after this worship service a workshop on suicide prevention because no one needs to hear that message and believe it so deeply and take action to end their life. Yet we find people doing it all the time. So if you're interested in that, it's for families and friends of people who have tr attempted or been successful killing themselves. It's also for persons in that place in their life, and it's also for survivors. So that's happening this afternoon because it's important that here at the church we can help those who are praying, help my unbelief. Say, you matter. You are enough. Come be a part of us. Scripture doesn't speak to people who just found God. He doesn't speak of that. Scripture speaks of people who walked with God, not just found, but walked with. This faith, Rachel says, is a keep moving, one foot in front of the other, who knows what's next deal, and you never exactly arrive. That's what this faith is. Always in the process, always standing on the promises, always wondering what is next for us. But we have a hint in our scripture reading today. We have a hint in Jude, which is only one chapter long, so you don't even need to put a one up there. You just need to put the verse. Jude 22, short chapter, short verse for today. And I want to go through with it to you because it has, this is the way we stand on the promises. One, the first word of it is just be. Be. Breathe. Be in your own body. Be present. Be. Start off by just being. And then it says, how can we be in this world? Be helpful. Helpful for yourself. Helpful for those around you. Help. Be. Breathe. Then be 
helpful. Then we might get that, who is my neighbor question. The next part, it says, be helpful to all. Even those I disagree with, even those who have told me I don't matter, even those who told Reverend Troy he should just go end his life because he wasn't human, all of those be helpful to all. I think there's a lesson in the scripture. Breathe, be, then be helpful, and don't discriminate in who you're being helpful to. Be helpful to all. And then it ends it with all who may have doubt. Can you be helpful to those who are having doubt? Can you help them pray the prayer, I believe? God, help my unbelief. I hope so. I try. Rachel puts it this way when she talks about joining a church in confirmation. She talks about her friend Ed. And she said, Ed put it this way. When you join a church, you're just picking which hot mess is your favorite. <laughs> Hi, hot mess. You're my favorite. When you join a church, just picking which hot mess is your favorite. Confirmation for me and my previous tradition, United Methodist Church, happened when you're in junior high school. And in our church, the senior high schoolers taught confirmation to the junior high schoolers. So you had 9th and 10th and 11th graders teaching 7th and 8th graders about the faith. Talking about a church trusting. Trusting those of us who are seniors and less to be able to help these youngsters come along with what they needed to know. Uh, and whatever we taught, what was more important was that they knew that they were loved. You know, so there were lots of play and games involved. At the same time, they asked questions about Jesus, questions about their faith. And we asked them, as, answered them as best we could. But then sometimes we said, well, let's go ask someone else. You know, and we might not agree with them. But that was part of my confirmation class. What I remember today most clearly is I remember having communion with these young people I remember being given the responsibility of teaching the younger class, and I remember setting up communion, and we had nacho Doritos and Coca-Cola <laughs> because that was their daily bread, nacho Doritos and Coca-Cola. But what I remember about that and what they remember about it still, too, is the connection, the feel, God's presence, God with them, regardless of if they thought they were enough or not. Because at that age, you struggle with whether you are enough or not. So whether it's a bar mitzvah, whatever it is that's a coming-of-age story where you're all of a sudden accountable, did it tell you you had to be certain of everything? Or did it allow you to trust in God in a deeper way? A friend of mine during the HIV crisis days, Biff and his partner Fran, was struggling just got to one of those hard times when he couldn't much stand on the promises very, very well. He thought they were a little bit slippery. And so he told me one day, he said, Troy, I just don't know what to do with Jesus. I don't know what to do with Jesus and all this. It just feels like too much. And so I sat there with him and listened, and he talked himself. You know, I don't think I said a word. He just talked himself all the way through where he needed to get to. And at the end of it, he said kind of what Rachel said. You know, Jesus just has this pull on me. He has this pull of me that I can't let go of. And when he finished, he was able to stand up on those promises again. And for the rest of his life, he's gone now, for the rest of his life, I never saw him 
have the same problems some of our other people who were dying of HIV and AIDS did, where people blamed them for their illness, saying that you've got this because you don't believe enough. If you believed enough, you could be healed. Biff never questioned that again. Biff knew that he was enough. Whatever the world threw at him, whatever he thought should be different, he knew the promise was real. Jesus just had such a pull upon him. Another story from Rachel, she talks about a father talking to a daughter who's really nervous about confirmation, had to go up in front of the whole church, had to say things that the adults told you you had to say, you know, and was really nervous that she wasn't going to get it right or she wasn't going to believe it right or she just wasn't quite sure that she, she had it down correctly. And by the way, her father was a pastor. And so what this pastor said to his daughter at that point in time was, what you promise when you are confirmed is not that you will believe this forever. What you promise when you are confirmed is that this is the story you will wrestle with forever. This is the story you will wrestle with forever. Jesus will have a pull on your life. And so today we get to this point where we know what the gospel asks of us is the way Jesus asked of Peter. Peter's talking about all of these other people and what they believe about Jesus. And Jesus says, what about you? What do you say? Who do you say I am? That's what confirmation is. You claiming your identity, saying, Jesus, you got a hold on me. This is who I say you are, and you know what? I'm willing to be wrong. I might not have it all right, but I'm willing to be wrong and trust that you can pull me through. What do you, who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Messiah, and you know what? I say that too, but Peter and I may mean different things. And that's okay. You and I may mean different things, and that's okay. We got to trust that God's love is bigger than each of our dogmas and doctrines. We got to trust that God will carry us through it. So I'm willing to be found wrong and be known as one who just lived faithfully because, you see, I believe this is the hot mess I've chosen. When I see Jesus, I know love. And even when I play peekaboo every now and then, when I don't think I can see God, when I don't think I can feel God, I just say that prayer. Oh, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. And then just start standing on those promises. Amen. <laughs>